This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, I'm Roshan Kanesan and welcome to Raise Your Game. Believe it or not, we've entered the second half of 2023. Uh, wow, how time flies. Next thing you know, we'll be here talking about how to prepare for 2024. But before we get to that, um, let's take a look at the second half of 2023. This is a good time to now reassess the first half and pinpoint areas to improve, move past a possibly sluggish first half of the year and identify ways that business owners and managers can encourage and tap into high performance. So with that in mind, Today on Raise Your Game, Jeevan Sahadevan, the founder of Leverage Lab, takes us down that road by giving us the seven keys to developing a championship team for your business and how to leverage these keys to get your team outperforming your competitors. Jeevan, welcome back to the show. It's been yep, a few months. Always good to be here. <laughs> yeah. Um, usually we do this the first Monday of the month, yep, but yep. As, as in line with the sluggish first half of the year, <laughs> many Mondays were holidays this year. Pretty much, pretty much. So many holidays. So, Jeevan, obviously in the conversation uh, towards having this chat yep. today, um, you've given me a bit of a peek behind the scenes here of the seven keys to building a winning team, and which, which we will unveil one at a time along this conversation. Yep. But before that, I'd like to set a little bit of context here. Um, why did you think that this was an important topic for today's show? Okay, so so let me give you a bit of background here. So first, first and foremost, um, the first half of the year has been a bit of a sluggish year, and there have been so many public holidays, and businesses are finding their grounds, and now post-pandemic, everyone's picking things up. At the heart of it all, in any company, at the heart of your performance is your team. If your team isn't performing, you could have the best products, services, you're going to struggle. It's good. You're going to take a hit. So the team, how do you get your team to be an absolute champion, championship winning team? How do you do that? So these keys, uh, these are these keys. Uh, let me give you a bit of background on the keys. I first learned about them from one of my mentors, a guy named Brad Sugars. I learned uh, about these keys about 22 years ago. Can you imagine? That's the two decades ago, I learned <laughs> these keys and they've become even more relevant now. So originally, there were six keys. Then I added added a seventh key uh, because I, I, I began to realize over time that we needed something to hold the six together and that's actually the seventh key. So and and I and I started to see that as we passed this I've been coaching for 22 years now and as we passed these two decades they became even more and more relevant with all the different models of team that we have today outsourcing hybrids this that it became so relevant and it's now something that everyone should know you should know these seven keys and apply them and you will have a stunningly high performing team so we're going to go very deep into this and it's for everyone to apply now let's get into that last thing you just said there yeah. is that really for everyone to apply some may think that the okay. keys you know are going to be for a certain size of company or for some departments or some teams. Not my team, your team right. maybe. Um, talk to us about the well, potential they applicability. They are principle-driven rather than trend-driven. So when something's principles-driven, it will apply to all businesses. It applies to whether you're a Sindhian Berhad or a small company or a listed company or even a department. As long as you're leading a team, these keys are going to benefit you tremendously as long as you're leading a team. So it can apply to any kind of company, even uh, a foundation, an NGO. It can apply anyone who has to deal with a team. These are the keys that is going to get you. So organizations, essentially. Any kind of organization, correct. Um, and, you know, Jeevan, you, with your experience, uh, you've dealt with different types of organizations, yep. right? You've got uh, Cinderella Hearts and you've yep. got uh, MNCs, published companies. Um, 
when you talk to them about the keys, do different types of companies react differently? Oh yeah, some of the keys here you will resist as you're going to see shortly. <laughs> you will resist. You're like, oh gosh, do I need this? <laughs> you're going to see that, you know. Definitely. I mean, everyone loves the first key, you know, but not everyone loves some of the others. Um, so, so definitely, definitely, you can see there's definite resistance. But you see, it's like gravity. You know, gravity works whether you dislike it or not. It's a principle. So principles always work, and mm. they're not trends. You know, gravity is not a fashion. If you plant an, <laughs> it, <laughs> would be, it would be really funny if gravity was a trend. Yeah, can you imagine? I mean, if you plant an apple seed, you get an apple tree. It's a principle. So, so one of the things I do is I base my business on principles, and and it, principles always work. So that's what these keys are. They're all principles that you need to work with. Now, a key issue that people are having is uh, retention, right? Um, while we are seeing unemployment levels uh, a little higher because of, you know, retrenchments and things like that, um, generally, there's still this undertone of being difficulty in finding or keeping the right people at the jobs mm-hmm. you want for the longer term. Um, will these keys help with turnover? Partic- particularly keys number two, three and four. They do. Because, you see, sometimes uh, when you have this whole retention issue, people throw money at staff, Mm. thinking that more pay will get them to stay. But, see, people need more than just that. They need recognition. They need a sense of purpose. You come to work, you want a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, And you want to feel like you're doing meaningful work because, you know, two-thirds of your life is going to be work. So you want to be doing meaningful work. So there are a lot of elements here as to what will cause retention. In fact, it's a whole other topic. And I think we should do one of those, actually. That would be very interesting. Because I think a lot of companies are losing staff, especially in the gen. The, the younger generation, Gen Z and everything, they don't stay very long. And unlike the, the baby boomers and the Gen Xs. Uh, so this is a very big issue. And I think we will address it at, at one of our shows. Folks, if you want to ask Jeevan some questions, you can get in touch with us over WhatsApp at 018-789-8899. I repeat, that's 018-789-8899. Now, Jeevan, enough uh, teasing <laughs> the, the keys. Let's get into the first one, which you've told me is strong leadership. That's so right. what do you mean by strong leadership All right. uh, so, based on your experience? So strong leadership has got three parts to it. The first part is the core focus of a leader. So as a leader, what should you be focusing on? So your core focus has got these three elements, which is entrust, equip, and let go. So first things first, you entrust people to do specific jobs. You have your job descriptions. You've got the employment contract. You entrust them with with a scorecard. You entrust them. Then you equip them. You equip them to get the job right, to make sure that they're doing it right. And finally, you let go and let them do it. You, and then you, you check in on the accountability on, on a weekly basis or biweekly or something like that. So the first component of strong leadership is this whole core focus of the leader. The leader must be able to entrust, equip and let go. That's the first component. The second component of a strong leadership is passion. Have you ever seen leaders, good leaders who are not passionate? That doesn't exist. If you look at look at Richard Branson, he's extremely passionate about what he does. If you look at um, all, leaders from all kinds of industries, look at Tony Robbins in, in his industry, very passionate about what he does. Bill Gates, very passionate. Steve Jobs was very passionate. So passion is another one. You've got to absolutely love that which you want your team to do. For instance, if you're a lawyer, you have to love the law. You must love looking at reading all the different acts and going to court and doing your litigation, the convict. You've got to absolutely love it. That passion is another component of strong leadership. So you've got the core focus where you are entrusting, equipping and letting go. You've got the passion. And the third component of strong leadership is responsibility. Many leaders forget that they have to be responsible to see to it that everything gets done the way they're supposed to be done. In other words, what's your duty You've got to have a sense of duty. And strong leaders have this. They, they have that core focus. They've got that passion and they've got that responsibility. This makes it up. So if you find that your leadership is weak, you've got to take a look. Where are you weak? 
Is it, are you lacking passion in things so that the team don't really want to follow you? Are you lacking passion or are, are you lacking responsibility? You're not seeing to it that people can get the job done. You're not taking taking care. You're just washing your hands. Some people love to do that. They delegate something and they wash their hands. They're not taking the responsibility to check on it to make sure that this thing is actually taking place. You see, so that's where, where the gap gets really big, you know, between intention and what really happens. And I'm guessing the gaps could be different between, you know, founders who are yeah. still leading businesses yep. and managers who've been appointed to those positions, correct? Yep. Because, you know, when, when you said earlier, entrust, equip and let go. Yes. That would be, I think, one of the key things yes. we're going to leaders struggle with, right? Because Especially the letting go part. Especially the letting go part. Yep. Right? If you're yep. passionate and you hold responsibility for the firm, yep. Yep. sometimes you may believe that I have yep. to do everything. Yep. Correct. Um, so talk to, talk to us a little bit about how you talk to leaders about that first thing, about entrusting people, equipping them and letting go. So I, I tell them, look, understand this, that that style can be different, but goal, goal is not. Goal is clear. So you have your goal, your objectives, but the style in which it gets achieved can be very different. And you can check on that on a weekly basis. One of the most important things that strong leaders must do is to have weekly meetings. And you, you've got to make sure these things, because that's where you have a whole rhythm in your business. A business needs to have a certain rhythm. Everything in life has got rhythm. The, the tides come in, the tides go out, there's the four seasons. And that's a rhythm, you know. So you've got to build a rhythm into your company, you know, build it in. And when you have that rhythm, then it becomes a part of the culture. So when you have that, that weekly accountability meetings, and now that's when you can check. But if you were to micromanage and not let go, then it's very difficult to get anything done. So you've got to have some strong and trusting so people are clear what they've got to do. Then you equip them so that they can do what they've got to do. And then you let go. Let them let them do it, and then you check on it from on a frequent basis. It could be weekly. It could. Uh, I think monthly is too long. So weekly or even daily huddles. You can have quick five ten minute huddles. And this at least helps you keep, you know, if Everyone you're on track. Yeah. So that, that element of uh, you want to keep control is then yep. fulfilled through these meetings, so that at least you kept up to date, Correct. and you know, Correct. you don't feel like you're. Yeah not being kept in the loop, for yeah, example. Yeah, and, and you don't panic and thinking, hey, mm. what's happening? Mm. Uh, are we on track with this project? Uh, is the proposal <laughs> going through? And, you know, and then you're, you're calling them at midnight. You know, you don't do I'm sure you don't want that either. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So the weekly meeting is very powerful. All right, Jeevan, a lot of this, uh, we've got to go into a break in a few minutes, uh, but a lot of this reminds me of this book I read, um, which is uh, No Rules Rules, which mm-hmm. is a Netflix a book on Netflix culture uh, mm-hmm. by Reed Hastings and a professor from INSEAD who always names, mm-hmm. uh, the name keeps uh, eluding me. Have you read that book? I've glanced through it. You've glanced through it. it. Yeah. All right. Because uh, a lot of it reminds me of some of these elements that you brought together. Yep. And a lot of it is in order to enable this kind of autonomy, you have to build that culture around it. Correct. Which coincidentally are some of the keys that you've tapped into, which yep. we will get into yep. in a few minutes. I've been speaking with Jeevan Saladevan, the founder of Leverage Lab. And this is Raise Your Game. We'll be back in just a bit. In the meantime, uh, we've got a few messages. And then you two with Vertigo here on BFM 9.9, the business station. Bole for Malaysia. Ha. BFM 89.9, the business station. Well, that's certainly a way to start your Monday here on BFM 89.9. That was Vertigo by U2. And you're now listening to Raise Your Game here with me, Roshan Kanison. This morning, I've been speaking with Jeevan Saadevan, the founder of Leverage Labs. And we've been talking about the seven keys to a winning team. Uh, if I might say, we've only been talking about one key so far, Jeevan. Let's get into the other six. Um, starting with key 
two. Common so key, goals. So key number two, common goals. So one of the most important things leaders can do is have goals that everyone subscribes to. So this could be called vision. It can be called your mission. Mm. It's your goal. So let me give you the languaging. So I think many people get confused with the words objectives, goals. Yeah, vision, yeah, yeah. Mission. all interchangeable. Gets, <laughs> yeah, so, so, so it's very simple. Anything seven years or more is known as a vision. Anything one year or more is known as a goal. Anything monthly or weekly is known as objectives. Anything daily is known as tasks. So, oh, that's the, so, so the way really you should helpful. say it's like, yeah, it's like, what's my weekly objective? Not what's my weekly goal. So it's not, uh, what's your daily goal? No, it's your daily tasks. And then um, if it's a yearly, then it's a yearly goal. So like now we've got six months till the end of the year. We're technically looking at objectives for the year. Not goals, really. The languaging for, if you've got to get the language correct, so it's that. So that's that's one. Now, when it comes to common goals, you see, when you have common goals, behavior changes. Behavior always changes according to the goals. So when everyone is understands the common goals, like Bill Gates had the common vision uh, when he said that a PC in every home. The whole point of Microsoft was but putting PCs in every home, and they, they didn't sell PCs. They were doing the software that would go onto the PCs. And Disney, it was all about the happiest place on earth. So even till today, Disney movies always have a happy ending which is nice so when Star Wars finally was taken over by Disney <laughs> the Jedi's would finally win or something <laughs> like that but you see the, the 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 key here really is does everyone uh, is a, is the, everyone aligned is the team aligned towards a common goal and the minute you do that a lot of friction disappears so leaders need to sit down and work out what's our common goal for for the year for the department for uh, for the decade for the next six months so it comes down to incentives right uh, Jivan because a lot of times what I hear is that uh, in very siloed and fragmented business structures it comes down to what my department does versus what your department does because if I don't hit my KPI my budget's going to get slashed yeah. So uh, that, and that has to be born from a bigger goal so everyone yeah. is working towards not just the department's goals and we're fighting another one and, and budget. But it's all aiming towards a bigger goal for the company. Mm. So the reason why we're performing here and doing really well in this area so is that the overall company performs really well, then everyone is looked after. So there must be a bigger goal, a grander goal that the entire company is aligned towards, not just but, a departmental goal. But is goal. that perhaps more difficult when the founder is no longer around, when the business owner is not so running the, the show? So the top leaders have to work this out, actually. Because if you ask your staff much uh, downstream, uh, they would come up with something a lot easier. So the leader, so, so I've been asked this one particular question a lot. Is there such a thing as an unachievable goal? So I get asked this question a lot. And is there such a thing? So here's my answer. There are no un unachievable goals, only unachievable deadlines. Like say someone oh, says, I yeah, want to sure. lose 20 kilos. Yes, you can. But by tomorrow, 5 p.m., <laughs> deadline's a problem. So, so now we're looking at the deadline is 31st December. 2023. So you've got six months, the second half of the year, you know, what are some objectives you want to achieve? So as a leader, you want to sit with the team and come up with the three or four objectives that the whole company, we're going to go for this. And then from there, your, your department objectives are born. And so the common goals is, is, a, is a missing link for many leaders. They just assume that people should know where we're going. You can't assume that. Mm, sometimes, you know, it, maybe people forget to emphasize the common goal or That's vision, right? right? So right. depending on the timeline you're looking at, and then we get employees get lost in yep. the daily tasks yeah. that, you know, are more focused on their KPIs and how they deal with their direct managers. Correct. How can top level management or business owners, entrepreneurs address this? Because it is at the crux of the, from a bottom up approach, you need to align incentives with the common goal. 
Yeah, I mean, again, you, when you look at it, it doesn't always need to be monetary. It can be a lot of things. It can be recognitions, can be awards, uh, can can be a lot of things, actually. You know, you could uh, you could take the whole team on a trip. Look, we hit all our targets. We're all going to Maldives. Or we're going to St. Regis in Langkawi. <laughs> it's going anyway. But you can do that. See, the thing is, the important thing is that the company has a sense of purpose. And you can test this out, yeah. For example, if you're feeling really stressed and everything, just write down your top five goals that you want to achieve by by the end of the year and look at what happens to your stress levels. Immediately it starts to go down. Mm. You start getting excited. Now you have a sense of purpose. Human beings need a sense of purpose. When they when someone comes to work, then they've got some sense of a purpose. And we all work better when we have a sense of purpose. And in fact, um, even countries, when they have a sense of purpose, they operate better as well. So everything, goals are absolutely critical. At the very minimum, a company must have a one-year goal. Ideally, they should have a vision as well that's very far into the future. So that sets the entire direction of the company. But the very minimum is a one-year goal. And then from there, your six months objectives and everything else. So that's the second key, very critical key. Key three, action plans. Tell us so what first, this so action plan looks like. So now that you've got like. strong leadership worked out, um, the, uh, to create this winning team, you've got key number one, strong leadership worked out, and, and you've got common goals for everybody. Everyone is clear. Now we've got to take action. So when it comes to action plans, this is a challenge because what is an action plan? There's so much fluff around this word, action plan, these two words. So I, I've come at something very simple, just five words. Who does what by when? That's it. <laughs> so that's an action plan. It's so simple. Who does what by when? That's it. So, you know, you don't have to be cryptic about this. So people, leaders need to know that that in their teams, who's who's doing what and by when? That is action plan. So that's that's how we got to move. And if you know that, and if you know everyone's doing something by, by a certain time, you have a lot less stress in the company as well. And that's an absolutely powerful key that often gets overlooked, key number three. Which then we move on to key number four. So the fourth key is the rules of the game. So here, here comes the challenge. See, it's not all you know, fun and games here. There are rules that, that you put in place, in other words, boundaries that teams can't cross. But when it comes to rules of the game, I, I tend to look at core values. You look at rules from a value point of view, not just a do and don't. So what are the values that, that this company subscribes to? What kind of values do we subscribe to? For example, maybe one of the values is, let's say, ownership. So everyone must take ownership of their job. Now, you can even correct staff according to the company's values. Say the company has, say, eight values, eight core values. You can, you can sit down with a staff who's doing something wrong and you can say, hey, listen, this doesn't get, go in line with our ownership value. You've got to take or You can't just play dumb and say, I don't know what to do. You've got to take some ownership because one of our core values is ownership. So if you're not sure what to do, you've got to ask people. You've got to show initiative. You've got to go and ask. So that's, a, that's an important value. So many companies overlook this. They feel, yeah, yeah, the values will be born as we go along. Actually, you need to set the tone. So the rules are clear. defined by the company? Yes, the rules are defined by the leaders, actually. So the, the leaders or the owners of the company, they come up with these values and they are building their, their team according to this. So if someone doesn't subscribe to your values at all, then they don't belong in the team. Yeah, so that's the que- that's the question, right? Um, if you, let's say, you retroactively mm-hmm. put in some rules and you build this culture, what happens if you don't, uh, if, if certain employees don't subscribe to it? And in, a, in Malaysia, where employment laws are, you know, in order to let go of someone, there is a much longer process. That's right. How do you manage that? So you've got to get it right from the recruitment stage. 
So when you're recruiting someone, you have to recruit them with the list of values. So you need to know and your values lah from the very start. From the beginning, and you got to recruit them. You can't just suddenly come up with the value in the middle of the night. <laughs> hey guys, today new value, you know. <laughs> so so you got to, from the recruitment stage, and you, and and you give them examples, stories, and all that, and you look at the alignment with if someone loves these values, and now hey, you're going to have a good team member. So the the owner of the company, you you've got. To look at these values, and they are values that really matter to you and to the team, to your customers, and to your stakeholders. These are values that matter to all of it. And you look at your ourselves. When you look at ourselves, we all operate according to values. A value is what you hold to be important, and we constantly operate according to values that we either know or don't know about, but they're always there in the background. So you want to make sure that you set the tone with your rules of the game, which is all the core values. Every company should sit down and start to produce this. So that's the fourth key. So now we've got strong leadership key number one. We've got common goals out. We've got the action plans. We've got the rules of the game. Number five is a difficult one. Key number five is support risk-taking. Hmm. Many companies try to avoid this one. But you've got to understand something. We can only grow if we take risks. Of course, you can calculate your risk and you can take a look at what sort of risk are we going to pursue. But... You need to support the risks that the teams are going to take on. And you need to identify the resources that will help you sustain and manage those risks. But if you don't take any risks, you won't grow. If you play it safe all the time, you're not going to grow. And, you know, for us to be able to walk, we had to risk from crawling to standing up and walking. And now we can walk. So risk is such a crucial part of a winning team. Teams got to risk it out. You know, they've got to explore new territories, new customer bases, uh, new target markets that you never knew, new products, services, um, all sorts of new technology that you bring in. You've got to explore. And then we identify it, we work it out, we study it, and we get it done. And we move forward boldly without looking back. Does the ability or the appetite for taking risk uh, change according to the size of the firm? Because a smaller firm may be able to, and to quote Zuckerberg here, move fast and break things. But once you know yep. a company like Facebook reaches a certain size, <laughs> move fast and break things, breaks democracy. What yeah, do you so think you, about you've that? got to look at the relevance of the risk as well. Because sometimes people can just come up with some nonsense. And so as the team gets bigger and bigger, you've got to look at the relevance of the risk. Is this really a risk worth taking? How big a risk is this? And what's the impact on the organization, impact on even the environment and anything? So relevance becomes a bigger issue as a company gets bigger. How relevant is it to the entire organization? In a smaller company, you're fast and lean and mean. You see, you can get a lot of things done. And and it'll be relevant anyway. Mm -hmm. But as the companies get bigger and bigger, so there's more discussion. It doesn't mean you avoid it, but you still support it. Mm -hmm. But the resources needed may also be a lot bigger. Yeah, because so there's also allocate. more room to fall, right? If you make Correct. a mistake when Correct. you're bigger. So you've got to take a, a, a bigger bird's eye view on this. You know, you've got to look at it clearer. So that that's, that's a very critical part. But supporting risk is right up there mm -hmm. with a winning team. So you've got to make sure you're doing that. Right. And then key six is 100% involvement. Now, Jeevan, okay. I presume this means, you know, some cross-team collaboration, getting involved with other teams, that yep. sort of thing yep. there. Let me give you the, a yeah. very good example. And did you watch Star Trek? Have you ever watched yeah. I'm sure you did, right? I think everyone has, you know. I've watched the newer Star <laughs> the Trek, newer though. So. Okay. so if you look at Star Trek, if I go back a little bit to the next generation, Star Trek Next Generation, the TV series, you had Captain Picard and all that. So you see, when you look at Star Trek, you've got the captain who's taking care of the ship, and sometimes they've got to attack the Romulans and the Klingons or whoever <laughs> it is out there. But then you've got Jordi in engineering who's mm. taking care of engineering. Then you've got the medical team that takes care of the medical side. And, and you've got all the different teams in that one starship. But they're all, like Stephen Covey put it in his book, Seven Habits, they all are interdependent. They're not independent. Neither are they dependent. They're interdependent. Everyone has to do their best for the whole ship to work. If engineering doesn't do a good job, then the ship can't move. 
And if, if let's say... Oh, you food, can't escape the Romulans. Yeah, if, if the catering doesn't do a good job, people are hungry the whole time and they, you know, they're just, they're just not going to get anything done. And if medical doesn't do anything, then you can't recover from illnesses and, and the plague and diseases and all sorts of stuff. So everyone has their part to play. You cannot say, hey, this has nothing to do with me. So I'm not in sales. This has nothing to do with me. No, you've got your part to play so that sales can do a good job as well. Uh, admin has a part to play. Accounts has a part to play. Marketing and sales. So they've got to talk to each other. Does 100% involvement mean then that I focus on my job and how it then helps Inter, the rest of the interdepend- firm? Yeah, it's interdependent with somebody else. So if it's how is your job uh, related to someone else's job? So there's a level of interdependence that we are all involved in the so achievement level of the of mission a- and awareness. vision. So it's being Correct. awareness, Correct. It's being aware of, all right, I'm going to do my job, but I have to be aware that Correct. I'm not a silo. This job relates to this person. Uh, if I do good. a good job, that person does a good job. Very good. Example, example, um, Roshan is, the, the, the tech people who take care of all the mics and the computer systems mm-hmm. and all in this room, they've got to make sure they do a really good job so that you can have a flawless interview with someone. And, yep. and if the lighting's not good or the air conditioning's not working, someone's got to act on that really quickly without you having to chase everybody. Understood. So that whole 100% involvement has to take place because that's where you start to realize you're part of a team. It's like your hands are part of your body, which is part of your legs, part of your ears, part of your eyes. You can't, the hand can't say, no, I don't care what the leg is doing. You know, hey, <laughs> I do my own thing. <laughs> so there you go. Key seven, strong environment. Okay, so Talk this is the, the key that changes everything because it holds everything together. Now, for the six keys we discussed to work, leaders need to create an environment that's very strong, a very strong environment that's a glue that holds all of these keys together. And environments can make or break a firm. So let me tell you what you need to do to create an environment that will get your firm to prosper, to get the company to prosper. Three things. To create a strong environment, we need to look at three things. Number one is necessary endings. The first things, uh, first thing that leaders need to do and managers, business owners, leaders, anyone out there who's leading a team, the first thing we've got to realize is what has to end? What are things that are necessary to end? You know, it can be certain bad habits. It could be certain things. What's got to end? You know, uh, for instance, some companies are now saying they've got to end this hybrid working model where there's no more work from home. You know, you work in the teams. Maybe that's got to end. Some are saying that we've got to end this only working in the office thing. Mm. We want some hybrid thing going on. So what's got to end that will make the company prosper, that will make us achieve our goals and our vision and our mission and everything else? So what's got to end? Necessary endings are very important because they're uncomfortable. Not everyone likes that. So we've got to make a list and we've got to sit down and identify all the things that are toxic to this company and slowing us down or damaging us in some way. It's got to end. It's got to stop. So that's the first part of a strong environment. The second component is important beginnings. So just now we looked at necessary endings. Now we look at important beginnings. What needs to start? For instance, here's a very good beginning that I get every company to start, weekly meetings. Some bosses, they sometimes would have a weekly meeting, sometimes they won't. I'm saying, hey, look, fix it. Say Monday's 9 o'clock, for instance, or Tuesday's 4 o'clock. But that's an important beginning that you're going to have this for the rest of the company's life. So that's an important beginning. And the third component is continuous improvement. The Japanese word kaizen is Mm. talking about this continuous improvement. Now, here we're looking at things that are already working in the company and we continuously improve that. Uh, what what are the things that we want to continuously improve? Now, if you get these three things right, you have a very strong environment for the six keys to manifest. So all seven keys will then become something that you can use as a tool to get an absolutely high-performing team and achieve all of your goals. So how do I know if I have a strong environment or not, considering that all the other six keys depend you on this? You can see everything starting to work really, really well. 
And you keep addressing this, the language. You keep saying, hey, look, this is a necessary ending. This is an important beginning. This is a continuous improvement issue. We need to continuously improve this. And you'll see that the morale goes up, um, the performance goes up, behaviors are improving, everything will change. Then you know you have a very good environment. And it's the same with the family environment at home. You know, when, when it's a really good environment, there's a lot of love. Then, and, you know, that's, that's laughter, which is always an indication. Laughter, love, um, customers are happy, suppliers are happy, and a lot of things work. So that's how you know. Uh, Jivan, before we wrap up, anything you'd like to, do you want to put this all together for us yeah. in a nice, so, so, pretty picture? Um, so so how, you, how do you do this? Uh, many, often I get uh, leaders asking me, where do I start? Um, which key do I start? Every key is important. I would say start start with the key that you can get the most momentum on immediately. For example, if you feel that common goals is the key to start, start with some goals, get some momentum on that, then build in the values, the rules of the game, build that in. So so all seven keys, again, first one, strong leadership, and which has got the three parts to it, um, with the core focus of entrust, equip and let go, and then passion and responsibility. Second key is common goals. Third key, action plans. Fourth key, rules of the game. Fifth key, support risk-taking. Sixth key, 100% involvement. And seventh key, strong environment. Begin working on the key that makes the most sense to you, that you can get the fastest momentum on. Start with that and then move on to the next key. And before you know it, when you've got all seven keys in place, you will notice that you have a winning team. Jivan, thank you so much for your time today. Pleasure, pleasure. I was speaking with Jivan Sahadevan, the founder of Leverage Labs, and this has been Raise Your Game. I'm Roshan Kurnison. Keep here to BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.